0: Hey, this morning we have a great treat. Uh, we all have friends, right? And some, some we have friends for like a long time. Well, uh, Mark has been a friend of mine for, well, let's say more than a couple decades. Let's not try to count right now. But Mark is also uh, known to you as one of our uh, missionaries that we support monthly. In his ministry, he's got a parachurch ministry called The Tribal Way. You may uh, be getting newsletters or videos from them if you've signed up to help and support. But they're reaching people in ways that are a little different than we do. And it's a very exciting ministry. We're going to continue to support it. I asked Mark to come and share this Sunday and give us hey, what do we need to know? Um, and I think we're in for a treat because he's going to talk beyond just that ministry. He's talked to us about life and our relationship with the Lord. You know him as Mark Campbell. Let's give him a warm welcome.
1: That was very kind of you. Oh, it's not. It's not often Raider fans are kind, and so that's very kind. Thank you. It's very kind. Oh, I know. I've been out my whole life. I'm used to it. Don't worry about it. I'm good. Good morning. Good morning. It's such a privilege to be here, sincerely. Uh, You know, one of the, uh, the last time I spoke was a year and a half ago, publicly, with a microphone in my hand, and it was here, out there, and there was four of us, because we were uninvited to the big wedding. So the uninvited came to church, and all the invited were out of town, and so I think it's been about three years since I've been here with the whole church. And so the first rule in public speaking, because I went through my manuals. I only did it for 32 years, but again, I haven't done it for a year and a half. So I said, what do I have to do to get back into the zone, into the game? You know what I mean? It's know the audience. And I thought, well, I could call Scott and tell me who's here and what's happening, or I can just go to the word and remind myself who's here. And I have in front of me people that were created, almost makes me emotional, in God's image, very image, which means you're valuable, I go to Juvenile Hall in Santa Cruz every other Sunday night. It's an amazing thing. We're bringing a pallet of Bibles into a government-run facility, and all of these 14- to 18-year-old kids are gathered around the Word of God. Three of them are in there for murder. Not one of them has ever met their dads. Most of them are emancipated, and it, by the world's view, they have no hope. And to tell a kid like that how valuable they are, they started to laugh at us when we first came in with that message. You know, they have just never been told They're valuable. So I'm here with some valuable image bearers. I'm here with ambassadors. New Testament reminds us that we're ambassadors. We speak on behalf of the creator of the universe. Wow. We're priests. I'm in a room full of priests of a new nation, of a new community, God's church. We're priests that operate in his temple. Wow. I'm here with... uh, referred to as people as the beloved. Now, beloved means favorite, firstborn. Jesus is God's beloved. Well, we are referred to theologically as though we are God's firstborn when we trust Christ. Beloved, you're his favorite. Tell the guy next to you, I'm God's favorite. Isn't that, does that blow your head? I'm speaking to God's favorite in a creation that he holds dear to his heart. I'm speaking to uh, ministers, ministers of reconciliation. We reconcile people to each other and to God. We reconcile people. We are ministers of a new covenant, a new deal God has made with humanity. It's a new covenant. It's the age of grace. God's crazy about all the people that drive us nuts. (laughs) We're ministers of a new deal that God's made with humanity. And we are masterpieces, one of a kind. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's poetry. He is writing a poem in your neighborhood through you. Wow. What? One of a kind. You can tell your your husband or wife, yeah, you're a piece of work. (laughs) Not another one like you. My question is, why is it so hard to live that way? That's, that's the fact. That's who we are. That's who's in the room. That's who's online. If you trust Christ, that's who you are. Father, I thank you for this afternoon, this morning. It's my afternoon. I got up at too early, Lord. Thank you for waking me up. Um, you could use a little bit better timing, but that's between you and the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this uh, morning that we have. Thank you for this word that you put on my heart for these people, these masterpieces, these ministers. These ambassadors, these daughters and sons of, of you, Lord, or royalty. We are a king's son and daughter. Guide us. May this morning go your way. May this afternoon go your way and the rest of our lives, Lord, go your way. And may we fall in line with what you're doing here in this community in this time in history. And uh, it's in your sweet son's name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Which means we agree. I spoke the Word of God as a professional since 1997 until COVID, two to three times a week, at a minimum. That's not including camps, men's retreats. I was always in the Word of God to lead God's people, myself, my family. And for the first time in my adult life since 1997, when COVID hit, I stopped reading my Bible to prepare I've never, I, I came to faith in '87, uh, called into ministry in 97, and then I stopped reading the Bible, talking to God for myself. And I didn't realize it until it stopped. It stopped with COVID. And I started to read my Bible and talk to my God and sit with my wife in a way that I never, ever had done. And I'm ashamed to say it. And I'm glad to say it because I think some people live their whole life that way. And I got arrested by how simple this life God's called us to is. It's not easy, but it's simple. And I've developed, it's the Lord's developed in me and my wife, a mantra. And I want to share it with you before we talk about what God's doing in Santa Cruz through you guys and alongside of you guys. This mantra is so easy. And to me, it's clear that we are dancing to one of two beats. I heard there was a wedding yesterday. Did you dance? Yeah? Is that what you're, Steph? Probably. It was a good music. Some of it, my son just got married a year ago, and it was like, you know, I'd have to run out on the dance floor and then run back when certain music, I don't know how to do that one, but I know how to do this one. Yeah. I think that's how we do life. There's two beats happening, theologically. There's the beat of the father, and there's the beat of the enemy. And I think... Oftentimes all of who we are masterpieces ambassadors and ministers. I think that we dance to the beat of the enemy Innocently, I don't want to offend you I'm saying that because I did it for most of my life, and I'm still doing it and wrestling with it daily Driving over the hill in the fog in Santa Cruz 630 this morning, and I got the zippers. I call them the zippers. They zip by it like 90 They're little missiles I did. I like to see how close they can get to you, right? And then for some reason, it's, it's 6.30 in the morning, and there's nobody in the freeway. And they got to cut over into my lane at 90 like, like they want to kiss my bumper. They want, like, the zippers are blown by me. And my first thought is not one of a minister of a new covenant. My first thought is this is why they have guns. This is why. This is why. I'm, a, I'm just human, okay? I'm wearing the birthday suit, okay? All right? And so, so the enemy's beat rises up in me. And I dance to it. It pisses me off. It takes me out of my game. This uh, system, Jesus leaving the upper room, going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray for us, says, ah, the father of the world is coming for me now. He calls the enemy the father of the world, the father of lies. He calls him three times in that account the father of. See, for some reason, I don't get it. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit let the enemy run things for a while. The earth. The earth not eternity not the spiritual domain but you just rattle the cage a little bit now, i'm coming back on a horse nobody's gonna miss it but until then shake stuff up so there's this beat called culture ephesians 2:10 says this we were all dead to the sins of this world we were all stuck on the course 2 2 ephesians 2 2 you're in the king of epistles romans i'm gonna lean into the queen of epistles a lot of ladies in the room tonight we're going to ephesians well that the pastor handled Romans. We're going to go to Ephesians, and it's 2.2 says we are in a course of chaos. We can't get out of the course. We can't step off this track. It's very difficult. But God, Ephesians 4.4, what do we? Oh, that's 2.10. That's the last one. That's the close, bro. We're going right to the close. Am I out of time already? Lord, thank you for this morning. It's been a powerful morning. <laughs> To what are we looking at? You're good. We're going to work it out. By fourth service, we're on it, man. We got a zone going. We got it. And so there's this thing. There's this beat. But Jesus says, I can only bring one thing. 14, what is it? I have it in your notes. John uh, 14, 27. I have come to bring the only thing the world can't bring, peace. That's all I can bring is peace. And it's the only thing the world can't give you. It's chaos in the world we live in. And it's peace in the realm that God's invited us to live in. So why do we dance to the beat of the enemy so much? Round table. No wrong answer. Why? Flesh, which means temptation, pride, greed, marketing. i got to have everything. I, you know, I'm embarrassed. I, I have, I've gotten rid of a lot of my idols, and I have this old surf fan. We live in Santa Cruz, and it's this is junky van. My wife said you got to get rid of all your surfboards. There's like 25 on a wall. We're getting ready to do this thing. They're lined up. I'm just kind of a glutton with them. I know, in your face. I can only win one, one at a time. I can ride. Why do I have 25? Do you golf? Huh? Do you golf? No. No. You used to. How many clubs did you have in the garage? Now? No. Then. Oh, yeah. yeah. So don't don't judge me. I got surfboards. Okay, bro. <laughs> get rid of your surfboard. I gotta keep. And so I put him in the van. I fit 21 surfboards in a van, like filed. Well, my buddy came to spend four days with me. He's a pro surfer from L.A., and he brought me another board. <laughs> so, I got, so I got a problem. As, as I'm telling us we're dancing to the enemy. I, I'm not judging. I'm saying that there's this thing. Why do I need that board? I really don't, but some reason, I want to have it. I want to have it. And so there's these two beats, and God says, look, I've come to... To, uh, to, to bring you peace, but it's hard to get this peace. Now, we have this first slide. Thank you, my friend. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. It is a very familiar verse. I think we go right to the front, yeah? The main one? There we go. Then Jesus says, this is so, so familiar to us, it's, it's so easy to overlook. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I don't know, man. I, you turn on the news, and I get heavy. I mean, there's so much. Who do I have to hate today? enemy what beat who do i who do i disagree with today who who do i have to fear oh no i got to get a radiation suit now like what what are we doing with the putin really is this like a civil war era what what it's confusing Oh, the stocks today i got a letter friday a letter from my 401k people not a lot of money in there it's all i got right i'm a pastor it says if you don't respond to this in two weeks your 401k is going to click into a government-run issue and they will now be adjusting the tabs on on what? What? Now I have to go call and find this person who set my for. It's like, what? Come to me, all who are weary. The weary people carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke's easy, and it's easy to bear, and the burden I give you is a light one. Now the first thing in your little half blank is... Rest this is the mantra. There's a three-stage Mantra first thing is rest. Jesus said come to me all who are weary and carry a heavy burden And I will give you rest this word rest is a powerful 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 world word first Genesis 1 Genesis 2 we have creation six days of creation seventh day God says first time holy is mentioned right take the Sabbath day and rest it's a, it's a phenomenal word. It's a word that's so hard to do with phones, tasks, yard work, blowers in the neighborhood, garbage cans have to be set out. What is this thing called rest, right? It's rest, and it's so close to God's heart. He says, I want you to do what I'm doing, which is rest once a week, which means you have to have your stuff done, which nothing's ever done. Nothing's done today. It's not done right if you just got a new phone it has to be updated like it's all your apps don't work it's not done the simple life that all this technology has given us right remember when stuff was bolted to the wall and the phone would ring like 20 30 times and it was normal do we want to get up and get it i don't know ah, we, there's no answering machine there's no tape right? the neighbor would come over hey your phone's ringing yeah i know Get it and tie a thing to the fridge. Put put a note on the fridge. That was freedom, man. That was freedom, right? you remember that? The the young people are going, what? It was beautiful. And you had to remember the number. Remember? That was my 16th birthday. I got the big technology, the 10-foot cord. I could hide from mom and dad. I mean, not today. Not today. I will give you rest. What's God doing on the eighth day? See, he set up rest. Hebrews chapter 4, 1 through 8 says, Joshua and those guys came into the promised land, but they never entered my rest. It wasn't about dirt. It's about rest. That word we see in in, uh, John 14 is Jesus says, I'm going now back to the Father. Father sets up the whole thing, gets to rest on the eighth day. Sets the whole thing in motion. and You guys are going to really do a lot of blundering. I'm condensing the Old Testament here in a Hayward High style one minute. You guys are going to really mess up a bunch of stuff. I'll be there with you the whole way trying to work with you and deal with you and have patience with you. And some of my servants are going to talk me out of God snuffing all of humanity. But we'll hang in there together, and then I'm going to send a Messiah. He's going to come walk the earth. He's going to show you how to live. This is a lifestyle. Not a command this is a lifestyle show you how to live then He's going to pay for the sins of humanity so that we can get to know each other And then i'm going to send the holy spirit. That's the relationship we have today is the holy spirit when the holy spirit comes He will dwell With us. He will be at home in our souls My friend ron ritchie who discipled me and loved me and was my spiritual father used to say he's the holy spirit creator jesus in the form of spirit are at home in our souls on the couch, feet up on the coffee table, what's for dinner? Doing life with each other. The word is nuha in the Hebrew. I will come tabernacle with you. And manuha is a place of rest. God's at rest in us. The question is, how do we rest in him? Because the whole thing is based on rest, a Sabbath lifestyle, where we're not rattled by the zipper, by the guy that bugs us, by the phone that's not updating by crazy people in Russia. We're not rattled. We trust that God's got the thing. That's a different different mantra to live by. First thing we do is rest. Second thing we do, second slide, is listen. Take my yoke upon you. Yoke, a rabbinical yoke is not the tied piece of wood for oxen. A lot of people misunderstand that. It includes that. Proverbs talks about the oxen yoke a lot. This yoke is a rabbinical yoke. You might know this. We've been to Israel together. I've led many trips over to Israel. Supposed to go next week, but I'm not. It's a rabbinical yoke. Scott has a yoke. He's got a style. He's got a theology. He's got a doctrine. He's got convictions. He's your leader. He's your shepherd. That's his yoke. People come to this church like his yoke. Jesus had a yoke. My yoke is light. My way is light. My my the way I'm doing life is not a burden. I'm 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 living out the Old Testament. I'm living out the law. And so his yoke is easy, but he says this, take my yoke upon you and let me what? Teach, teach. I don't know why we have a blank there. There we go. <clears throat> take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find again rest for your souls. Let me teach you. Well, to ha- be taught, we have to be able to Listen to the Lord the second blank is first ones rest second one is listen I love John 10. Jesus says look my sheep know my voice My sheep listen to me. They know my voice and Isaiah this verse right here five years ago when my wife and I were um, Contemplating what's the next step in ministry and life this this verse Isaiah 30 verse 21 comforted our souls for three years your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or the left. This is the way you should go because we're trying to figure out what to do with our life and life got hard, really hard. Kids, hello. We think when they empty nest, it's like the fear and the, ang- and the anxiety goes on steroids when they start making adult decisions and they're like not in your house. You know what I'm saying? And now you can't even scream at them or bolt them to the, like nothing. Nothing. You know, so me and my wife are like, wow, we're in ministry and culture and life and all these things get hard. Aging, like all this, marriage, hello, 30 years. Now we just celebrated 35, but at the 30-year mark, it's like, we can't get divorced now, but murder. (laughs) When the conversation's going to bed is like this, If, if I were to go tonight... What would you do with the body, honey? She says, well, I wouldn't blend it, you know, but we can't. I'm not, I'm not a gory person, but I, I hear you put the body in a bathtub and put some uric acid. It just goes away. <laughs> you know, and so those are the, it's like something's wrong, right? So we, we can't get through this. We've already mortgaged the house to pay for therapy for 40, you know, like all those, to, like what's happening? With, listen, you're not listening, says the Lord. It's all been here. I've been telling you now for, for 30 years, listen, my, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. But you have to, we have to learn how to listen. I love that in the upper room, uh, Jesus says, one of you guys are going to now just sell me out. <gasps> you guys are going to sell me out, one of you. And John, I love John, says in his favorite disciple, his beloved, John's sharp. He's sharp. He laid his head on the bosom of Jesus. He goes over and lays his head on the heart of God. (laughs) It says, who is it? To be able to stop your life and to be able to tap into the creator's heart. What's your heart about the zippers, the guys that fly by you, Lord? What happened to that person? What's, what kind of background, man, to sit with a 14-year-old kid who took a hammer and beat a kid to death because of $50 a weed? And I've met the parent of the kid who got killed. What's going on here, Lord? Because I can't stand this kid, but I love him, and I don't know why. Because he's valuable, and he's never been taught that he's valuable. And I see the parents, you beat my kid to death with a hammer? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I want to dance to peace. John leans his head against the breast of the Lord and says, Tell me who it is. 28 times before a parable or a challenge. Or a command, Jesus says, he who has ears to hear should listen. He came to give sight to the blind, uh, sound to the deaf, lame can walk, prisoners can be set free. But we live in such a culture we can't hear the Father. 28 times, he who has ears to hear should listen. Now there's a big difference between hearing and listening. Hearing and listening are two different things. Elias's first soccer coach, you'd be proud to know my son played soccer for three years. There's hope for my family. He played soccer for three years, and his first year was five years old. And one of uh, a football coach from the valley here, I can't recall, we were trying to figure out which coach, and he was a very successful football coach. <clears throat> he had two boys. And they both, one was five and six. I don't know how he snuck his six-year-old into the five-year-old, but that's between him and the Lord. And the six-year-old was this big, and my, my son's this big, and, and he was a football coach, and it was the first time, you know, your kid's going to play soccer now. And so I'm standing back, and, and it's the first practice. It's at Castro Valley Community Center. I'll never forget it. He shows up with a whistle, football coach. <laughs> Blows the whistle, big man. Okay, boys. Put your right foot right on the white line. White right foot, white right line. Right here, right foot, white line. Boom, his two kids were right on the line. The other 12 kids are, what? Well, whistle, and he's getting frustrated. Veins are going, kids, boys, right foot, white line. My kid, I think it was my kid, on the picnic bench. We can hear you. <laughs> we can hear you. He says, yes, you can hear me, but you're not listening. If you were listening, you wouldn't be on the bench, and you'd be on the line, and your right foot would be on the... And I went, that's true. My kid never listens. (laughs) I got the greatest parenting lesson of all time. And the Lord, how the Lord does it, like, you're not listening either. You hear me, but you're not listening. So rest, listen. Matthew 7 says, hey, the guy who, who, who builds his house on the rock and not on the beach, so when the storms of life come, that rock stands, that house stands, that life stands, it's not hammered and it's not blown away by the storm, is the guy who listened to me, who did what I said, not, hear, not heard it. Fourth, uh, third thing is reset. Matthew uh, 30, uh, verse 30, for my yoke is easy to bear, my way is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Reset. John 14, 34, or 24, by the fourth message, we'll get it, we'll get it worked out. One of those <laughs> two verses says, look, if you love me, you do what I say. If you don't love me, you don't do what I say. It's that clear. It's like, what? And I feel like the Lord when he tells me what to do, it's going to be stop this, stop your sinning, st- stop that, stop cussing at the, the zippers, stop, 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 rather than I want you to get in the game and I want you to succeed. NFL day to day. The standout teams and the standout players are going to be the players who have listened to their coaches and made adjustments Games are won in the second half when the adjustments are made. Look at the Warriors. Third quarter team, adjustments are made. Reset. The uh, the early church pre-Constantine and first 100 and 200 years, they were known as the children of repentance. The word is teshuva. Repentance was a word that kind of got ground into our souls through the dark ages, 1,000 years after Christ. But repentance was, it's a Hebrew word, teshuva. It just means return to who you were supposed to be when I created you. Return to the masterpiece. Return to being that priest of a new nation. Return to what I've called you to. Come back. It's not this, 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 this uh, you, everything in your life has to change. It's a mindset where I go, I'm going to reset. I'm a learner. I'm a grower. That seed that the Lord plants in my heart is going to be in solid soil, and I'm going to grow. Rest, listen, and reset. Remember Elijah? Kings, First Kings 19, one of my favorite stories, being on Mount Carmel with you, overlooking the Jezreel Valley, and it's where Elijah sends down, or uh, battles the 400 prophets, right? Baal was their god. Baal was the god of weather. It's a trip. We're still tripping over the weather today, 2,000 years, 3,000 years later, right? And we're all talking to some sort of deity, some of us, not us, but in this room, but culture is talking to, like, if we do this and do that and do that, we'll appease the weather god. Isn't that a trip? That's wild, back to like everything. So Baal is is pulling the strings on weather. So Elijah says, guess what? No rain till I say so. And then has to run for his life and hide for two years because people are dying. Cattle's dying. It's not good. And so he challenges the 400 uh, prophets. Sure enough, Elijah wins, huge battle. Ahab runs back to Queen Jezebel. Elijah straps up the gown. I love this. And when you look at that Jezreel volley, how far that is, how big that is. Stra- and out runs a horse and a chariot back to Jezebel. Let's go get Jezebel, right? Remember that story? It's like, it's, 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 this dude is like unbelievable. And then Jezebel says, one woman, all by herself, by this time tomorrow, you'll be dead. <gasps> There's the enemy of the world. There's the thing to be afraid of that's not really nothing. I'm going to kill you this time. You will not be breathing. What's he do? dances to that beat, runs for his life, runs all the way almost to Egypt, I mean, bolts, leaves his servant five days into it, leaves the servant, finds himself under a tree, and he says to the Lord, take my life. Three times he says, take my life. I'm not worthy. There is nobody left in Israel. I mean, he builds this case. Nobody left in your land is for you, your cause, everybody's worshiping Baal. Do you feel lonely ever when you turn on the media or take your kids to school, look at culture, walk downtown? Like, you go, what? I am really different in my heart, what I care about. Nobody else seems to really care about. That's, that's Elijah. And then and the angel of the Lord comes to him. What's he say? If you know the story, eat. Take a nap. Rest. You're weary. Elijah wakes back up after that. What's the angel say? Eat some more. Take another nap. Drink some water. You're tired. It makes me emotional. Why why don't we live this way? And then he says, go up to the mount. God wants to talk to you. And then God says, listen, I want to say some words to you, but go take another nap. You're tired. And then Elijah's woken up by the, by the winds. So windy, God must surely be in the wind. He goes outside, rocks are blowing around. No, he's not out here. Then he, earthquake, cave shaking, rocks are falling down the hill. No, God's not in the earthquake. And then fire. We know about fire and how destructive fire can be. Fire sweeps through the mountain. God's not in the fire. Huh? Here's a whisper. It's the Lord. And he goes out of the cave and he wraps himself and God says, what are you doing here? Look it up tonight. That's why I put the verses. First thing God says is, what are you doing here? We were going so strong. I should here. five years ago, I wake up with my wife. We love each other. We're committed to each other. Life gets hard. How did we get here? What happened? Because you start thinking that you're all alone and nobody else can relate. God said, what are you doing here? And he says this, go back the way you came. Teshuva, reset. Let's try that again. Is that not a gracious father? Is that not a loving God? And that's Old Testament God. Come on, give me a break. You know what I'm saying? Rest, listen, reset. In a sense, it's do you trust me? To, to go a different direction, to stop Spending to cut cards to get out of debt to stop keeping up to quit the job God's been trying to get you out of for five years to make the adjustment take the financial hit Maybe stop hanging out with some people that are doing the wrong going the wrong place taking you the wrong way sitting around the, the Table too many times talking about the wrong stuff. Maybe we're just too political. Maybe we're not in the kingdom of heaven But we're in the kingdom of, of a governmental kingdom. Maybe that's our drive. That's our push. Maybe God's wanting to say stop that and start this, whatever it is. You know, there's this kid, um, um, Duran, and he's at Juvenile Hall. He's never met his dad, and he's got two kids, and he's 15, and he's never met one of the kids. And he's a dad, and he's kind of rattled, and now he's looking at, like, 58 years of time because they want to try him as an adult because of what he did. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the kid's, like, what they call up a creek. And I go, I leave juvenile hall and I go home. I sit in my hot bath. I've got a hot bathtub that sits on a creek. And I got a steak on my Traeger barbecue. And I sit and I go, Lord, these kids are, they're screwed. And he reminds me, you watch and see what I do. Just a seed, a mustard seed of of faith. And so I tell Durango, or Duran, I I call him Durango. (laughs) I call him Durango. I always call him Durango. He says, it's Duran. I know Durango. And and I said, and I had an envelope, and I said, I have a letter that the county gave me from your great-grandfather that he wrote 110 years ago to his great-grandson he knew he'd never meet. And I slip it across the table, because we can sit at a table, and I slip it across the table, and he goes, what? I said, yep. And he just lunges for it. I have a letter that your creator gave you to tell you every question or to answer every question you have and to give you every piece of direction you'll need that your great great grandfather never knew how come you're not taking that drink this is the key to life when the spirit infuses the word of God into our hearts it's over he starts talking he starts whispering he starts to show us what to do which way to go so we started a little uh, a little nonprofit five years ago, moved to Santa Cruz, called it the tribal way, Genesis 12. God's doing something new through Abraham's seed. You and I, we're adopted to old Abe. We're part of that bloodline, and I want to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to bless everybody that comes behind you. I'm going to make you a blessing so that you'll bless other people, that you'll pass on what you learn from me and what you know about me to everybody you meet. So we start this thing called the tribal way. Can we look at the website? I think we figured out how to do it. What time do we end here, Scott? 10 to 30? Is that clock right? I have 30 more minutes? I want them to like me. So what time should we go? I'll do 10. I'll do 10 minutes. How's that? We'll have donuts together, pray together. So this is the tribal way. Here's the thing. That's at Mount Arbel overlooking the Galilee. Uh, people aren't into tribalism today. I found myself having to explain to pagans, people who don't know the Lord, what I just had to tell you about Abraham, and I watched their eyes roll back in their head. It's like like the enemy, the father of the world, is trying to divide us in every way possible and make our own little micro-tribe, right? And that's why I turn on the news. Sometimes I go, who do I have to hate that I used to love today, Lord? Like, right? If we spent enough time together and talked about enough stuff that the world wants us to talk about, you'll hate me. If we spend enough time together and talk about what God wants us to talk about, we'll fall in love with each other, right? So the tribalism thing we get, but the world doesn't get. And so I love it, though, for what it symbolizes. So we have an umbrella nonprofit called The Tribal Way, and the Lord laid this at our feet a year and a half ago. And so we started The Simple Life. If you hit the tab, Simple Life, and I'm just showing you this because you guys are part of it. We are encouraging a way of life that cultivates peace in a chaotic world. And the Lord took us from the beach house, and he plopped us in this farm in uh, Soquel. That's the creek underneath the farm. Uh, it comes with a creek and a waterfall. The whole thing runs all year. It's, like, unbelievable. I, I, I went to Hayward High twice. Remember, the first I graduated, and I realized it was bad for business. I had a little marketing, chemical distribution, more packaging and distribution and weights and measures, a little pharmaceutical business on the side in history. I graduated high school, and I went, Wow, well, that was dumb. I did really good in high school. So I went back a fifth year. I looked young and just kind of hung around the campus for a fifth year and worked on some retirement funds. And, and, and so the Lord puts this creek and waterfall in our house and severely undervalued because we don't have a, a lot of money. We're pastors, two and a half acres. And we were so convicted that we have to pass this on. God's blessed us to be a blessing. We are stewards of this, not owners of it. We are here for a season. What will you do here, Lord? It's on a street called Glenhaven, which means place of healing. And so we start this little nonprofit called The Simple Life because people are trying to lean into simplicity that don't know the Lord. And we have this thing called The Shed. And this is The Artist Shed. We bought it from the head uh, UCSC artist, the head professor of the art. And this was his pottery shed. Is this giving you goosebumps or is it just me? This is The Potter Shed. And my wife and I both at separate times the same day went. I was working at the barbershop with my son. She was working. And we came home and we said, we got to do the shed so that people can stay there and learn how to rest, to listen to the Father, and reset their lives. And so we're in the middle of doing the shed. If you scroll open the shed, please, por favor. And so we've got this. That's inside the shed. We had somebody bring us Brian Berry Brown's a bunch of windows. We have couches. The kitchen is being delivered today. We have the refrigerators coming. And so go down to the pictures. It's, it's got a meadow. It's got the, it sits on top of the waterfall. There's the living room. It comes with a bocce ball court. And we're doing this luxury 500-square-foot shed to give to people that are in the middle of a crisis, not like sober living, not transitional housing. Everybody in Santa Cruz is in crisis. But you just got diagnosed with stage three. Your children just decided to ditch the family. You're contemplating divorce. You just lost your job. You don't know what. Come and stay in the shed, 14 foot vaulted ceilings, sits on a waterfall, outdoor bathtub, fireplace, top shelf, luxury, because you're valuable. And God wants to say something to you. Stop, pause your life. There's no cell service. Pick some chicken or eggs out of the chicken coop. Go cut your salad out of the farm. We have a full two and a half acre farm. And come and listen to God. And consider your next steps and know that this too shall pass. We have the shed that, that this, this coming weekend, we have 12 more men coming up to finish helping us put French doors in, set the kitchen, and do the floor. And then we're going to set piers for the deck. It's going to have a 1,500-square-foot deck. And uh, we're going to do it so if you have like a small wedding, 12, 10 people, second wedding, late in life, you can come honeymoon suite, you know, 1,000 bucks for the weekend. That money will go back into the nonprofit and help support the ministry that happens when people need some stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like this recyclical thing called the shed. Now the farm is, if you go back to the farm, that's our property and our home, and that's where people can come and and I can work with them for a weekend, young men and disciple and and garden and work and talk life. So much stuff happens through just doing life together. And this this gives me goosebumps right now because last night we were sitting around a fire right there in, in the back of the house with a pro surfer who gave his heart to the Lord in Israel Three years ago, CJ, I talked to you guys about him, and he came up. He's been up four times in the last three months with different groups of people that need to know the Lord. Last weekend, we had, uh, or two weekends ago, we had some baptisms at the farm. A family called and said, hey, my mom wants to really wrestle with the Lord and come to a new place. I think we're going to the pictures. In her faith with the Lord, it's crazy. Remember how we did that, the baptism pictures? There we go message we'll have it down buddy we'll have it down you are on it and so she calls and says hey can we come to the farm and just hang out they stay for three days people in the couches sheds all the stuff and here this 72 year old woman says yeah i want to be baptized i want to walk with the lord in a deeper way that's her whole family beautiful family and uh it's amazing because see the lady in the middle she gets baptized go to the next picture Right there, we're getting baptized under the trees, pull out a tub, tankless water, and then go back to the group picture. There she is celebrating the Lord. So there she is in the middle. The gal to the right is her daughter, and we determined around the fire that in 1981, I stole her car stereo out of her bug. It's like, it's like. I have a bug, I bought my, fir- my first car, is 15, it's still in my possession, it's in the front yard, and she goes, that's a cute bug, I used to have a bug, I said, didn't you grow up in the Hayward Highlands, yeah, was your bug orange, yeah, didn't you live on Cherry Street, yes, uh-oh, <laughs> did you lose a stereo, she goes, yes, I saved six months for that, subwoofers, the whole thing, back to the baptism, so anyway, so she gets <laughs> baptized, and they come to the farm, and they come and relax, and they quiet their lives, and they eat Organic food, and they slow, and they sit by a fire, and they lay their head on the breast of the Lord. And they hear. My challenge is for you, my friends, that maybe through what we've learned, stopping when we teach the word, I start to absorb the word, to maybe say, hey, how can we rest? How can I add some rest in my life? Is it a morning walk? Where do you start? What balls need to drop? There is nothing like a good ball dropping. The sound of a crush of, a, of disappointing somebody. I'm going to have to disappoint some bosses, some friends, some kids. I remember when we gave my son a pup tent for Christmas. Pup tent. Put it in the trunk of the car. What's the, I don't want a pup tent. I don't camp. I know, but I have this fear that if I don't guide you right, you'll be homeless. And now I know you always will have shelter. It's in the trunk. I'm not worried. I'd put it under a freeway pass. They seem to do better than the ones that are exposed, but whatever. It's like, let some stuff drop, man. You might be disappointed in me. I'm, t- I'm measuring his bedroom. What are you doing? This, you know how much this is on Craigslist per month? It's like 1,500. It's like 10 by 12, just so you know. Not going to be a problem if you want to leave. You know, where it, before everything was like, keep him, please him. You know what I'm saying? Our kids can run us. Our bosses can run us. The association we belong to can run us. A political party can run us. Oh, man. God run us. Let the spirit whisper. Yes, more of that. No, less of that. You're a masterpiece. Only one like you. You know what's neat about being a masterpiece? My favorite artist is a guy named Claude Monet. I was a landscape designer and builder for 30 years. My daughter's middle name is Monet. I named her after him. I went to Chicago, huge museum, where the whole second floor, I think it was second floor, is, is one big room is devoted to Monet. And all, maybe you've been there, all around the whole room, there's different, 56, I believe, paintings of a wheat stack. It's called the wheat stack. Morning, night, snow, just at harvest, birds on it, nope. Like, this dude was consumed with stacks of wheat. Like, it's just a mound of grass. Each one. And the thing I learned about Claude Monet is he was one of the few artists that died wealthy. He, his art was worth something before he died. Kings and monarchs wanted this guy's art. And in the end of his life, he was losing his sight. And he was, I think he was dead blind at the end of his life. And when you bought a Monet, you'd have a party. you bring the people, the village, all your cousins, everybody look at the Monet. But Claude Monet stopped being invited. Because in Claude Monet's eye, mind, his art was never done. He traveled with a paintbrush. <laughs> you just spent big coin on a Monet, and this cat brings out a brush, and he's blind. He's <laughs> feeling the thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, What? I'm so delighted that God's not done with me yet. That's the neat thing about being a poem and a masterpiece. The question is, will we let the Father write on our hearts? Adjust us. Stop that. Start this. Find some rest. Listen to what the Lord says. And reset. Do the whole thing over again tomorrow. String that together for a month and you got a lifestyle. Thank you, Father, for this group of partners. They partner with you as we seek to please you and bless people that we don't know and half the time bug us but need to know you. Thank you for all the lessons that we've learned over our life and may you um, recall in our hearts the ones we need to listen to, not just hear, the ones we need to apply. And thanks again for Jesus, the example, your son. Thanks, Father, for throwing the whole thing in motion over 6,000 years ago. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that is dwelling among us, is at home in our hearts, is our advocate, our teacher, our guide. And may we learn to rest in the voice that the Holy Spirit imparts in our souls, Lord, on how to live, so that you can point to us as examples of your good grace, as we learned last week, so that you can get glory from how we live. And it's in your son's sweet name, Jesus the Christ, we pray, amen.
0: Bench group, if you have questions, Monday night, 7 o'clock, Wednesday morning, 6 a.m., come talk to me, talk to Larry back there, there's a few other guys. As for this morning, whoa, anybody catch that fire hose you just drank from? Talk about being saturated. Mark said a couple of things that I want to highlight in the form of questions. What runs you? Mark said, you know, there's stuff that run us. And he said it in his own way. Uh, you need to be aware of what runs you. The second thing is, how do you hear him? He said, listen. Great. How does he speak to you? What works best for you? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Learning how to have faith in faith. Right? And then, maybe the most important one. How, when, and where will you schedule it? You so see, you have to schedule it. Uh, he talked about God, seventh day, that's a schedule. Uh, Elijah, up on the mountain, that's a where. How? Well, you got to take some naps, whatever. Figure out what those are and figure out how to get it into your schedule. Amen. May you listen and rest. Amen. Go with him.